It's showtime, folks. Son now. Ali to the left. Son on a mission to go alone. This is sensational. World class. Welcome to the Know It All Podcast. We got a great show today. We're bringing in our man. Achilles Rain to do an NBA weekly review. The first week of the NBA season is in the books and he's going to be here to talk about it. Then we're going to go to our movie reviewer, Rita Cinema, and review Wonder Woman 84. So an action-packed show. Achilles, are you ready to get into some NBA yeah, buddy, let's do this. I know. it's It's been a good week for the Lakers, so you should be in a good mood. Tomorrow's show, it might get a little dark. Uh, I don't know if we'll survive tomorrow's football time show, but today, NBA, Lakers looking good. You should be in a decent mood. Yeah, all I can really say is thank goodness for the NBA because uh, it's been a bad week. I, I, I'm very scared of tomorrow's show. I, I think we're getting... A depressed Achilles, one who might think uh, a team that was easily in the playoffs might not be in the playoffs. Although I'm starting to feel that way about the NBA too, but we'll get into that in a little bit. Yeah. All right. So let's break down each team's week and how they did and what we think their future is going to be. It's overreaction day. Each team's played about two to three games. So, uh, we can make a forecast how the whole season is going to break down in the next eight months. So uh, that should be fun. Yeah, uh, I'm looking forward to talking about it. We've seen some from a little, from each team, basically, and uh, nothing I think that we can really fully, completely dissect, but I think we've seen enough to sort of kind of make an educated guess as to where things are going. No, I, I'm ready to declare champions right now. And speaking of it, the Atlanta Hawks. 2-0. East favorites to win the title. I'm kidding. 2-0. <laughs> Two good wins. Uh, I guess they're good wins, technically speaking. The teams are 0-5 that they've played right now. But uh, nonetheless, wins for Chicago and Memphis. They've been scoring at a ridiculous rate. And uh, that's not even... I. Other than Trey Young, no one's even playing all that well. Uh, DeAndre Hunter's been a, a little bit of a surprise, but uh, Bogdanovich and Gallinari have sort of started a little slow, and uh, John Collins seems to be lost in the shuffle a little bit here, but uh, Young, Hunter, Herter, uh, their young core, 
seems to be playing pretty well. What have you made the Hawks so far this year? Yeah, I think they've been pretty impressive so far. Uh, I, you know, I wasn't expecting further young players to contribute uh, so quickly as much as they have been doing, but you know, they seem to really kind of, you know, hit the season in stride and uh, they've been putting out a pretty good performance. So it's kind of exciting to see what they've got uh, going forward, but so far from what they've showed, I think that they're uh, pretty explosive. Yeah. Um, are you shocked they're two and zero, or did you see it coming? I, I've bet against them twice, and they've burned me twice. So uh, clearly, I think I was a little shocked. I was expecting a little more from Chicago. That Memphis game was back and forth, which uh, I, I think both these teams are about at that same level. But uh, little shocked two and zero, or looking at the schedule, you thought maybe they'd be two and zero. I mean, to be completely honest with you, I thought that maybe they could split uh, these first two games. But the fact that they're 2-0, I think, uh, really says a lot for uh, the team in general. They're really coming out and they're playing hard, uh, even though a lot of people didn't quite think that they'd you know, even be 2-0 at this point. Uh, I think it says a lot towards the mentality of this team. They're looking to, uh, to make an impact. And, uh, I mean, it's early, but it's impressive so far. Yeah. Uh, Trey Young, 41% usage percentage. Um, will that continue all season long? Will somebody finally clothesline him on his own team that he's pretty much handling the ball 50% of the time? Well, he's played well, so I guess you can't complain, but uh, this is reaching uh, very hard-nesque levels here. Yeah, but I mean, you know, he's being effective. I think that as long as uh, he's being productive and effective, I think that you kind of keep riding the hot hand. You know, this is what the NBA has become. Uh, you write the hot hand, especially when you don't have those big name, those big marquee names. You have to kind of go with what you got, and uh, you basically play whoever saw it. We've seen it with certain teams uh, last season during the bubble. Uh, a lot of teams that we re- didn't really expect to be where they where they got to, they they did it. So they did it by writing the hot hand, and uh, you know kind of uh, playing it completely as a unit, which is exactly what they're doing right now. I know that there's uh, you know a lot of. Uh, uh, there's a lot more possessions, you know, to certain players, but um, that's because they're being effective. And I think that at this point in the season, early on, you keep riding it uh, until uh, everybody else gets in the flow of things. Yeah. Um, before we move on to the Boston Celtics, uh, four games this week, two versus Brooklyn. I I think those will be pretty interesting games, probably two of the better teams in the East to start the season so far. Yeah, uh, but I, I'm really – I'm really interested to see those Brooklyn games because I think those are going to be really telling as far as uh, where this team really stands early on this season. Uh, from what we've seen from Brooklyn, they seem to be a pretty potent team. And uh, I think that anybody who has a good show against them, especially early on when, you know, you're sort of learning the makeup of that team is going to be really telling to where the other team stands. Yeah. All right. We'll move on to Boston. Uh, one and two week, uh, a nice uh, bank in uh, game winner from Tatum. Tatum to beat the Bucks. Uh, I don't know if we call glass on that one, but uh, it counts all the same. Uh, a bad loss to Brooklyn on Christmas Day, and uh, uh, I don't know if it's a bad loss. And Indiana has played well, but they uh, lost to Indiana on a last-second shot by uh, Sabonis the other day, and I thought Indiana looked good. Boston, uh, other than that uh, Milwaukee game, I haven't thought looked great, but I, I think we sort of expected a slow start uh, from them, especially with Kemba Walker out, um, uh, Haywood gone. Uh, what have you made of Boston's uh, start of the year so far? 
I tell you, they're definitely a lot greater than I thought they were going to be. I thought that with all the uh, losses they had during the offseason and uh, very few uh, additions, I thought that they probably wouldn't be as scrappy as uh, they look so far. Uh, yeah, they've, you know, they've lost a couple, but they've been in those games, even though it probably didn't seem like it would be that close. Um, that Brooklyn game, you know, was was kind of a domination. But, you know, you take that away, you look at the scores for the other games, and they're pretty much in it. Like you said, that uh, that Milwaukee game, uh, kind of lucky, you know, but you, you – you can't win games unless you, you know, throw these shots up and uh, they put them up and, you know, they, they won that game. Um, a lot of it also has to do with uh, missed free throws, obviously, but you know, that's neither here nor there. They, they've been scrappy. And um, I think based off what they lost during the off season, I think that uh, it's at least a promising sign for any Boston Celtic fan. So it's probably exciting going forward that they might at least be competitive. Yeah. I, I'm sort of mixed on the Celtics so far to start the year. Uh, Jalen Brown, I thought, has played really, really well all week long. Uh, they've actually gotten pretty productive minutes from Jeff Teague, which, uh, you know, is always sort of Jeff Teague's always sort of hot and cold, but uh, he's been really good uh, so far this year. My concern has been Tatum. Tatum. Uh, he's scoring, but he's been pretty inefficient, and he's been jacking a lot of shots. Uh, if you watch the Indiana game the other night, they had that chance to win the game on that last second shot. And he took one dribble and pulled up from like 28 feet. He didn't even try to do anything to win that game in a one point game. It, he seems to just be, uh, I I'd say doing his old school Kobe mode, uh, that he pulled out two years ago where he's, you know, taking a lot of long, bad twos. I just haven't liked the look of him so far. Now, you know, it's early, but uh, he's got a pretty high turnover rate. He's at 12.3 so far this year. Uh, His rebounding and playmaking have been down. I think he had uh, zero and one assist in those first two games. He got it up to five uh, in that Indiana game at at least, but uh, I just hadn't liked what what I've seen from Tatum. Now, maybe some of that's just him trying to overcompensate for Kimba being out, but uh, I don't like high volume, uh, bad shot Tatum. I, I like sort of the Tatum we got last year where he, he sort of fit into the offense, drove, got fouls, got layups, not a lot of long twos from uh, last season. But this season it looks like he reverted back to uh, two years ago. Yeah, I mean, uh, there definitely seems to be, you know, like a, a little uh, retro style of play with him. Um Maybe it has to do with the injury, but I, I don't know. I mean, if this is what we're going to get all season long, then, you know, maybe they don't win as many games as uh, people predict that they would. But uh, th- like you said, this could just be due to the injury. Uh, maybe once he gets a little bit of help, uh, it, he re- you know, reverts back to what he was becoming, uh, which I think everybody kind of hopes for. Nobody really wants to see him, you know, take these inefficient shots. And uh, like you said, maybe with some help coming in, coming back, uh, it, he goes back to, to – what we expect them to be this season. Yeah. Uh, two other things I wanted to touch on before we get to uh, the Brooklyn Nets. Uh, Tristan Thompson, what have you made of his uh, sort of integration into this team? Are you liking what you're seeing from him? I mean, he seems to be, you know, playing his role. Uh, not much really to say about it. It just, I mean, I probably expected a little more out of him, but you know, it's probably taking a little time to kind of get into the flow of things and, and, uh, 
get into that cohesive uh, unit. Uh, it's probably going to take a little bit longer uh, for him to find his true role. But I think as of right now, I think he's doing okay. Yeah, I, I think they're just sort of right now sort of trying to rotate between Robert, Tristan, and uh, Thies. I don't think they totally know how to uh, use him so far. Uh, the other one I was going to touch on, the rookie, Peyton Pritchard, my little boy from Oregon, hasn't played too badly, uh, spunky little guard. Uh, so uh, I just wanted to give him a shout-out more than anything. Uh, he's been uh, minorly productive. I think on our draft show we, we said he'd be able to sort of climb right in there and uh, sort of be a productive uh, third guard off the bench. Yeah, I, I mean, I, you know, this, it's a long season, and, uh, you know, it, it'll be more telling once we get about halfway through the season uh, how far along he's coming. But I like what I've seen from so far. Uh, um, we did talk about him during the uh, the draft show and uh, even a little bit during our previous show. We, You know, he's an interesting player, and um, I'm excited to see what he has going forward. Yeah. All right, we'll move on to Brooklyn Nets. Uh I was going to sing their praises, and then uh, yesterday they decided to not show up for a game versus Charlotte, so uh, a little uh, taken aback by uh, that loss, but uh, the bigger news was Dinwiddie uh, sort of half tore his uh, ACL, so I'm curious how that's going to rearrange their bench. I really liked that bench unit uh, with Levert coming off and, and leading it. Uh, it had, you know, first and second team just were awesome on Brooklyn, but 2-1 uh, and one on the week. Destroyed the Warriors, destroyed the Celtics, and then uh, I guess fell asleep in that Charlotte game. But um, you like what you're seeing from the Nets. Uh, do you make them the favorite in the East? I, I know it's early, but uh, they look uh, pretty potent if they're healthy. For me, I think it's still too early. Uh, I know that, you know, this is definitely the sexy team. This is the this is the one that everybody's looking at, you know, with the with the big names uh, getting healthy again, and uh, you know, with the possibility of maybe bringing in a third big name. But for me, it's still a little too early. You know, we're only a few games in, and uh, some teams haven't even got to their third game. So I'm not I'm not banking too much on this. And when I look at the teams they've beaten, uh, I was really high on Golden State coming into the season, um, but so far they haven't shown up. So. Big win yesterday. We're going to get to them. Yeah, we'll get to them eventually. But uh, I'm just from what I've seen so far this season, I just, I don't know. I, I definitely need to see a lot more before I jump on the bandwagon. Uh, I know that you are huge uh, on the Nets this season, but um, I, I want to see how it goes for the entire season. But even if once we get halfway through, I think we'll get a better idea, a better understanding of how this team's going to be built. Uh, now, obviously, this injury does hurt them a little bit, uh, especially I don't know how serious it is, how long it's, this is going to be. But uh, if it tends to be like a very uh, long-term type of injury, it definitely changes the way that they play the rotation and uh, doing so also changes the makeup of this team, makes them a little more susceptible. So we'll, we'll see what happens going forward. But I think that so far uh, – and what are they, two and one? I think uh, people will take that. Yeah. Uh, I'm curious if they'll do like the Spurs thing and, uh, you know, move uh, like a Shamit or a, a Prince in there for Dinwiddie and not uh, mess up the uh, rotation with Levert and keep him coming off the bench. Uh, you know, the Spurs used to do that when uh, like Parker would get hurt. Instead of, you know, moving Mills into the starting lineup, they'd use that third guard to use his starting lineup so, like, Patty Mills wouldn't get screwed up. Uh, same thing with, like, Ginobili and stuff. 
So I wonder if that's what they're going to do to uh, make the Dinwiddie. Uh, before we go off uh, Brooklyn, uh, what you made of Kevin Durant? Uh, looks pretty solid right now. Yeah, I probably looks a lot better than I thought he was going to look uh, coming back from an injury. But, you know, it's Kevin Durant. So uh, as long as he's healthy, uh, you know, you pretty much that's your guy. And, and I think that that's where, where it, it's what it's looking like right now. Uh, he looks just as explosive as the last time we saw him. So um, maybe a little bit slower right now as he kind of gets his uh, NBA legs under him. But, you know, you only see him getting better as the season progresses. As long as he stays healthy, uh, this team's going to be good. Yeah. Uh, any thought on maybe uh, burning some sage when you uh, come into work uh, tonight? <laughs> uh, I don't know. You might uh, you might have to help me out tonight because uh, I don't know. It's been a, it's been a rough rough week for me. <laughs> I I think that'll cleanse you. I think that's uh, should be your new tradition. You just walk in and before you clock in, you you light up some sage and uh, cleanse the area for the people. Yeah, I'm going to have to do it, especially around you. I don't want to uh, pass my juju on to you. <laughs> All right. So, Charlotte Hornets. Uh, really bad start. Uh, one and two on the year. But did have that nice Brooklyn win to save the week. But uh, lost to Cleveland. Uh, I could sort of take. Uh, the loss to Oklahoma City, who literally is rostering people who are probably D-League players, uh, to be honest, and might not even be that, if I'm being kind. But uh, got the win versus Brooklyn. Uh, LaMelo Ball has thrown some nice passes and grabbed some rebounds, but uh, that boy can't shoot at all. Uh, He is possibly the worst shooter I've ever seen. But uh, what have you made of this team? Uh, Gordon Haywood's been good, but uh, they have not been good. Yeah, Gordon's been good. Gordon's been Gordon. Uh, I think we didn't expect much of a drop-off uh, after his move, but uh, this is a, a kind of a young team. You know, they brought in uh, some young guys and, and maybe some uh, questionable personalities uh, during the offseason, but, you know, they, they seem to be really, really high on, on ball, and I, I don't know, maybe it's just a personal thing. Uh, I didn't really like ball coming into the uh, draft, uh, but a little disappointing so far how it started off. I think that uh, at one and two, is that what they yes, stand at right one now? one and two right now. Yeah, I think that, I don't know, uh, you really got to hope that some of these young guys develop quickly because uh, from what they've shown so far, especially Ball uh, with his, you know, offensive proficiency, I think that uh, they're they're going to be hurting unless these guys uh, come along a little bit quicker. Uh, the other thing, uh, the Cody Zeller injury, uh, you wouldn't think it would hurt them, but uh, to go from Cody Zeller starting to uh, Bismack Biombo, that uh, drop-off is quite significant, and uh, I think that hurts them a whole lot because uh, really they don't have any other real true big other than Bismack. So uh, I-, I think that Cody Zeller injury could really hurt him, and he's supposed to be out a little while. So uh, that uh, might hurt Charlotte's uh start to the season yeah the only thing that i'll say to that is that uh maybe it helps the development of the younger guys a little bit faster uh putting them you know closer putting their feet close to the fire but uh, again a lot of that remains to be seen it's early on the season uh but you know they definitely need to step their game up a little bit uh just to kind of get to where everybody predicted they would be 
Oh, I, I thought you were going to say you were a big Bismack Biombo fan, and not to insult him. <laughs> no, no, uh, he's a uh, he's a solid he's a solid role player, but I, I you know not a not as huge. in that he's a large human being. Yeah, he he's going to come in. He's going to fill his role, but you know, uh, yeah, I'm not going to. I'm the nice guy. Remember? Yes, I know. I, I was very excited for you to come in with the Bismack Biombo uh, defending, but uh, I guess. Not even you could uh, possibly go there. We'll move on to a team I have been really, really disappointed in. Chicago Bulls, 0-3. Losses to Atlanta, Indiana, and Golden State last night. Uh, To be honest, I expected more from them. Uh, I thought they'd be better. Their defense, uh, once again, is a disaster. They can't guard anybody. Uh, Kobe White and Zach Levine are literally taking all their shots. They aren't getting the ball to, I think, who their two best players are in marketing and Carter. Uh, it's essentially the same thing as last year, and uh, I guess I just am disappointed because I expected a little more. Yeah, and, you know, again, uh, this is going to be a, a recurring theme with me, you know, si- similar line. It's early. I know it's early, but to sit at 0-3 to start the season, probably not where you thought you'd be three games in. Um, well, it's 0-3 with uh, Atlanta and Golden State, who I think are beatable teams. Now, Indiana, you know, they're a good team. I, I don't expect them to beat them, but, uh, you know, uh, all you three. At least, you expect at least home one game win. Too. Yeah, all three home games as well. And, uh, you know, now they're about to hit a bad road trip at Washington twice at Milwaukee versus Dallas. I mean, you could see 0-4, and, and then that's 0-7. And, and while we say it's early, 0-7, that becomes a little harder to get back. Uh, you, you then have to make up those wins there. And uh, just was disappointed. I, I didn't know. Uh, I don't think you quite had the same expectation I did on the Bulls, but uh, I'm assuming you thought they'd at least be uh, solid. I thought they were going to be uh, somewhat competitive, and so far they haven't really shown it. I think that what this team is really lacking is an identity. They don't know who they are. Uh, they don't know who who's uh, who they're really going to play through. And you have uh, you know some guys. That I actually really like uh, Levine. Uh, I, th- I think he's an explosive player, but I don't think that the team in general has an identity. They kind of have guys that you know are going to try and put up points, and uh, they're not super efficient at it, uh, especially when. As a defense, you know what they're going to bring to the table. So unless they kind of change up their their play style, I, I don't foresee them winning. Uh, you know, a lot of these next few games. Yeah, I, I just I don't think you can play Kobe White and Zach Levine at the same time, starting at the same time. That's just uh, that's a lot of people who want to jack up a lot of shots. It's not a bad thing. It's just when you have two guys who are shooter scores like that uh that sort of leaves everybody else out of the mix there yeah uh and like we said i i think that once they figure out their identity and they get their you know rotations right maybe it helps them out to have guys that are so aggressive but you know to have them both on the court at the same time uh probably not a good idea but we'll see what happens going forward uh, again um it's early on. Maybe they change things up a little bit. Yeah. All right. Uh, speaking of my new favorites of the East, the boys out of Cleveland, out of the gate, on fire. 3-0 and week. Charlotte, 
Detroit and Philly, a big win versus Philly. So, uh, is Cleveland actually good or is this just uh, a mirage? I mean, those are pretty decent wins. Uh, Charlotte expected to fight for a playoff team. Philly had been 2-0 and up into that point. So, uh, what do you make of Cleveland's hot start? Yeah, that, that Philly uh, game was the one that really impressed me uh, because uh, I didn't see them winning this game, let alone uh, winning by that, that much of a margin. Uh, I think they're impressive, you know. I didn't think they are going to be playing this well. Uh, again, go back to my, to my uh, theme, it's early on, but uh, so far I like what I've seen from them. I think that uh, they've come out really spunky and, uh, you know, They've had a lot of uh, contributors basically up and down the board. I think that it, there's really no like lockdown consensus as far as like, oh, we're going to shut this guy down and it's going to, you know, completely uh, shut this team down. So I, I think that is to their benefit also. But I like what I've seen from them. I, I don't know if they can keep this up, but I, I like what I've seen. Yeah, uh, I've been really impressed with how Colin Sexton has played. Uh, been really great this year. Uh, we probably should have uh, put him on our most improved list. Uh, but uh, him and Garland have both looked solid. Uh, Orko has uh, done what Orko does. I mean, he's not been scoring, but uh, he's eaten up a ton of minutes and been a Swiss Army knife guarding people all over the floor. Loved what he's done. Uh, I don't know if we can – he'll – be able to get rookie of the year votes because he's basically doing nothing on offense. But uh, I just like the way uh, he's played. And uh, even Drummond, despite uh, him being a chucker uh, and somehow shooting 40%, uh, we'll get into how he shoots 40% when he doesn't leave a five-foot area around the paint, probably on a different episode. But he's grabbing 15 rebounds a game, so um, I'm not going to complain too much. And uh if the guards continue to be efficient and Orko continues to, you know, Swiss Army knife around, uh, Drummond can do whatever the hell he wants. And uh, I think also the thing I've liked is uh, they've sort of just played their young guys. Young guys and Drummond, uh, you know, Kevin Love's sort of been like, okay, we'll pay you and uh, we won't play you all that much. And that's just what we're going to have to live with. But uh, I've liked them just sort of uh, seeing what the young guys got. Yeah, see, to me, that was the part that was a little confusing at first was the whole uh, Kevin Love thing. I was like, why are you going to have this guy with uh, so much talent and you're not going to use him? Uh, granted, they're using their young guys and it's great for their development and they're 3-0. and So that goes to show how much I know and how much they know. All right. So uh, do we make the Cavs the favorite overall in the East? <laughs> the favorite three games in. Oh, geez, let's see. I'm so tempted, but I think I'm going to hold off. I, I think I could probably still get you some pretty good odds if you'd like to take the Cavs to win the Eastern Conference. I'd like to see them do it for at least, you know, 20 games, and then, then I'd be a little more confident. All right, we'll move on to the Dallas Mavericks, who had a bad week and then a ridiculous day on Sunday. Uh, losses... To Phoenix, uh, a blowout versus L.A., and uh, I don't even know what that was on Sunday, but it was a massacre, and uh, we'll get to the Clippers a little later on. I have some feelings and takes there, but uh, I guess that uh, Clipper game made up for a, a little bit of a slow start, but um, what do you make of the math so far? Donches has been awesome, but uh, they do appear to be missing a, a great player and one of the— <laughs> The reason is Porzingis is on the bench, but what have you made of the Mavs so far? 
I think that Luca is definitely, you know, I think in talks for MVP. I know this is really early in the season, but, you know, he was definitely one of the top picks uh, when it came to uh, the season prior to the season starting. And it shows why uh, he's really explosive. He's highly efficient. He's got a really high basketball IQ. And uh, it's it's hard not to not to be impressed, uh, even with the expectations that have been set when you watch him play. Um, I, I think uh, that this last win was, you know, you kind of blame that, you know, with uh, the fact that they didn't have one of their marquee players. But overall, it was still a good win. It was a huge win. So I think you take it in that uh, – one and two, probably not where you wanted them to be right now, but uh, I like what I see still. Yeah, I, I think they'll uh, round into form. Uh, uh, interesting week, Charlotte, Miami, uh, Chicago. Uh, probably should go two and one in that week. that get them back to 500. And uh, then maybe uh, Porzigas uh, back around mid-January and they can really start to get rolling. Yeah, as long as they can, like you said, get it to at least 500 after this uh, this next stretch of games, I think that they'll be okay. Yeah. Uh, I guess a little disappointing, uh, our next team, but uh, they only played two games, um, and one of them was an OT loss to Sacramento. Denver Nuggets, 0-2, losses to Sacramento and uh, Los Angeles. Jokic has been ridiculous, uh, but uh, no one else really has. Uh, what do you make of Denver? Uh, it's hard for me to really break them down at this point. Uh, one loss against the, against the Clippers. The Clippers, to me, are probably one of the better regular season teams. Uh, and then that, that other game was an overtime loss. So uh, they're playing tough, you know, but I think that they're going to need more contributions across the board. Uh, they have some guys who have been really, uh, you know, put up the type of game that we're expecting from them. But uh, I think that, there's still a possibility for them to pick it up. It's still really early on. I know that they're own two, but uh, you know, they their next few games. What is it? Uh, Houston, Sacramento. Yeah, and- Houston, Sacramento, Phoenix, Minnesota. So, uh, I could see a three and one week here, and then we are all back to normal and uh, no worries. Exactly. You know, you get back to five hundred, and suddenly, you know, your house isn't on fire anymore. So, uh, I just think that they really need to settle down and and just play the type of ball that we're expecting them to play. And I think they'll be okay. Yeah, uh, the uh, West is really competitive, but yeah, go ahead. Sorry. I was going to say any worry about Murray. Uh, he's back to his uh, sort of regular season ways and not his playoff ways, but uh, I don't know. Worried or not. I mean, I guess there's a little cause for concern, but uh, like I said, it's only two yeah, games. Yeah, they've in. only played two games, so it's hard to really uh, gauge anything there. Yeah, yeah. Like I said, they're, they're, if we definitely see this type of pattern continue for uh, you know ten games, let's say, uh, then I think you start to get a little bit concerned that uh, that you know it might not be what we thought it was going to be. But uh, as of right now, it's so early, and if they can somehow get back to five hundred after these next few games, I think they'll be okay. Yeah, all right, we'll move on from uh, Denver and move to the 0-2 Detroit Pistons. I, I've watched this team a couple times. I've bet on this team a couple times, and uh, <laughs> they are just weird. I don't understand any of their style of play. Uh, Mason Plumley is playing 32 and a half minutes a game, which uh, is disturbing in every uh, right of the world. Uh, I think Josh Jackson might be their second-best player. 
I don't know what to make of this team. It is weird, strange, and uh, I I don't know. But uh, I thought they'd be a little better. Yeah, well, I mean, your boy Blake Griffin is playing nearly 40 minutes per game. So Yeah, well, uh, I expect that tire to go flat real quick. Yeah, I, I don't think that you can play him that many minutes and expect him to be productive for the entire season. So I think they're trying to just get as much as they can out of that. He's uh, also turned into a miniature Steph Curry pulling up for three, like 11 <laughs> times a game. I, I don't know if it's that he's having a hard time getting to the bucket or what it is, but yeah, he's definitely seems to to be uh, more of a shoot first and drive second type of uh, player this season, which is a little odd when you look at Blake, but I showed you clips of Blake Griffin in 2012 and said in 2020, this man would be shooting 11 threes a game. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, whatever odds you gave me, I'd probably, I'd probably take the under on those, but uh, yeah, they, they definitely need to change things up a little bit. Oh, and two is not uh, not a good start, but then again, I, I personally didn't think this team was going to be that hot. Um, I, I just didn't really like the build of this team. Yeah. There's, there were some people who, who were, not, I, would, I don't want to say believers, but they thought that maybe they could make it work with this lineup. I, I wasn't a particular fan of it. And uh, am I shocked that they're 0-2? No. Would I be shocked that they're 1-1? and No, but uh, I, I don't like what I've seen from this team so far. Yeah. All right. We'll move on to the Golden State Warriors. 1-2. and two, uh, Were murdered their first two games. Like, absolutely murdered. But uh, managed to fight back and... Uh, Got some good Steph Curry in the Chicago game. Uh, Andrew Wiggins wasn't an atrocious train wreck. Uh, Kelly Oubre uh, continues to be an atrocious train wreck. Uh, I think the man has made two dunks all year and hasn't made another shot. Uh, No Draymond Green right now. Uh, I thought Wiseman has looked pretty good, but uh, what are you making so far of these Warriors? Uh, You know, I'm excited. I was really excited about this team coming into the season. Uh, I was pretty high on him. I think higher than most people were, uh, which is now uh, starting to make me a little bit sour. But I was really excited about Wiseman. I was really high on Wiseman during the draft, and I was really excited that, you know, I felt like Golden State got the steal of the draft. Now, with that being said, uh, I can't I, – it's really hard for me to picture them being much different team, even if Draymond Green was playing. Uh, I think that – those two blowout losses are pretty telling about, about this team. You know, it's, they have like their core and that's pretty much it. Uh, with those guys aren't playing well uh, as an entire unit, they're probably not going to win many games. And it's unfortunate because I, I had very high expectations for this team. Um, so it's a little disappointing. Uh, I don't want to say I'm completely off the bandwagon, but I'm definitely, uh, I definitely got my, my feet on those uh, steps and I'm, getting ready to jump off if uh if the wheels continue to turn like this yeah i I think when draymond gets back they could turn themselves into a pretty solid defensive team uh what worries me is offensively it's there's a lot on curry and uh if wiggins is going to continue to be atrocious and uh i I don't even have a word to describe what kelly Oubre has been on the offensive side of the ball so far this year uh they are going to struggle to score points uh, because Wiseman, while he's played really well, I mean, he's, you know, he's a dunk and cleanup guy right now. He's not going to, you know, pick and pop and drain jumpers and uh, be somebody you run your offense through. And Dr- Draymond Green has never been somebody you run your, uh, you know, scoring offense through. So uh, 
Ubre and Wiggins have to at least give them mediocre would be a step up from what they've been. Yeah, if you can get some productive minutes from those guys, I think that it helps you out a little bit. But from what it looks like, from what we've seen so far, again, it's early. But from what we've seen in these three games is that the Warriors are going to be about a 95 to 105 type of team offensively. Uh, so if they can't defensively stop these guys and keep them within that range, they're going to have a hard time winning games. Uh, maybe it changes a little bit once you get green back, but uh, again, I don't know how much that helps you offensively as much as it, as it does defensively. So you definitely need to see these other guys really step up their game. Uh, Weissman, I think is coming along just fine. Uh, and maybe later on in the season, he becomes even more of a, of a contributor offensively. Yeah. Uh, next up, Houston only played one game because, uh, they have COVID issues. Uh, players are going out to parties. Uh, random draft picks are uh, getting sick and then getting everyone else sick. Um, we won't touch on them more uh, other than uh, I thought Christian would look good in that first game. And uh, I'm very, very curious to see how his season plays out. Yeah, it's interesting because uh, even if that trade does happen, which a lot of people expect it to, uh, you know, you kind of like what you see from Wood. And it's a little bit uh, at least uh, of a sigh of relief uh, to know that you've got another guy who can put a big point. So uh, that that's, it's, again, super early for them with only one game in. But at least it's a, it's a positive sign. Yeah. All right. Uh, Indiana Pacers. This one might be a, a little more of a, a plucky 3 and up team that might win the East. I, I've loved what I've seen from them. Now, uh, you know, wins over the Knicks in Chicago. Eh, eh. But uh, that win versus Boston, uh, Sabonis has looked great. Brogdon has looked great. Warren's been solid. Uh, you know, Olin Depot has been uh, decent. And uh, the only thing that's a little weird is Miles Turner. But uh, if he's okay with sort of uh, taking about nine shots of games and playing defense, uh, this team is really sort of deep and good. Uh, I And they're running right now. So uh, I, I've loved what I've seen from the Pacers so far. Yeah, uh, I think that you're a little bit higher on them than I am. Uh, I, you know, I still think that the I think I think all three of their wins are okay. They're respectable, but I still don't think that they're that great. I, I do like this team. I think that they're solid all around. Uh, they don't have any huge, huge names that you can look at and point at and say, you know, this is the guy that I want. You know, holding the ball to in the fourth quarter as the time winds down and we're down by three points or whatever, but they've got a lot of solid role players and, and it seems like they're all doing their job right now. They're three and zero, So it's really hard to nitpick at that. Um, I think that they could very easily be uh two and one, but early on the season, they look good. Uh, and I think that for uh, all Pacer fans, it's probably uh, it's looking good and it's a positive sign. Yeah. All right. We'll move off the Pacers and go to the Los Angeles Clippers. Two and one, and uh, I was going to give them praise, and then Sunday happened, and now I'm going to hammer the living crap out of them. Uh, good wins versus the Lakers in Denver. Uh, embarrassment uh, versus Dallas, and uh, I know Kawhi wasn't there, but why does that mean everybody else has to quit? Uh, this team is loaded with a bunch of good players. Uh, Toronto managed to play great when Kawhi wasn't there. The Spurs managed to play great when Kawhi wasn't there. So why do the Clippers, who carry themselves like they've won five titles the last five years, get to 
do a nice quit job and lose to the Mavericks. It just was embarrassing. And then what's more embarrassing is is your boy playoff P like, oh no, this is no big deal. You know, losing by 20, that's no big deal. Down 50 and scoring 27 points in the first half of an NBA game is ridiculous. And, uh, this is why I don't think this team will be able to win games in the playoffs. No heart. And if Kawhi's not the best player in the league, they aren't winning games. Yeah. And that's, this is one of the reasons why I think that they're going to be a really good regular season team. But I think once it gets to the postseason, uh, this is where, you know, we'll see them falter a little bit as we have seen them in, uh, in seasons past. And I think a lot of it has to do with the fact that, Paul George, uh, as much as I like the guy, as much as I wanted him to be a Laker prior to him becoming a Clipper, you know, the more I see out of him uh, in these these big moments on the big stage, you know, in these big markets, he's not the kind of guy that can carry a team. And like you said, if Kawhi's not, you know, the not having an MVP type season, uh, they're going to struggle. And it was evident when they didn't have him this time around. Uh, Like you said, to lose by 20 is one thing. Um, you know, even 30 is considered a bad loss, but to lose by what, almost 50 points. Oh, it was 51. That 50. was that was the thing. They were losing by 50 at halftime and then literally lost the second half. Who loses the second half when you're down 50 at halftime and the other team is playing their junk? Yeah, I mean, at that point, I, I think that you expect a lot more out of a player like Paul George. You know, he's supposed to be, you know, if not the guy, he's supposed to be Robin to Kawhi's Batman. And uh, he didn't even show up. Uh, So yeah, he put up points and he did his thing, but he didn't lead. If you watched that game, there there was just no leadership and this is why they got killed. And uh, I think that once we get into the playoffs and you get into these uh, situations where, you know, you need your leaders to step up. I think this is where they're going to falter, and I think this is where they're going to come up short. It's one of the reasons why, even though I like them for the regular season, I don't think they're going to be a good playoff team. Yeah, uh, that's this is just what I don't understand about this team. You know, Kawhi can carry himself like a superstar and a Hall of Famer. He's won rings. He's done it. If he wants to sit, he can sit. But just because he sits doesn't mean Paul George and Nick Batum and Luke Kennard and Patrick Beverly and all these, I won't say Ibaka because Ibaka played hard. I watched the game. But uh, these guys all think that they're in the same class as Kawhi Leonard. None of them are in the same class as Kawhi Leonard. That's why Kawhi Leonard is Kawhi Leonard, and you all are a bunch of scrubs who have moved around to numerous teams and are role players. But, you know, I think that part of the problem is also Kawhi. Uh, I mean, I know that he, you know, he didn't have any. He had nothing to do with this loss, and I'm not trying to put any of the loss on him, but I'm just talking about in the sense of the way he carries himself. He's a really quiet guy. Uh, and, you know, he's liked by his teammates, but he doesn't have that killer attitude like you see from a LeBron James or, you know, going back a, a, like a Kobe Bryant, you know, these type of guys who basically let you know, you are not me. I am above you. So you're going to do what you have to do to try to get to where I'm at. Uh, and I don't see that from Kawhi. I think that probably one of the reasons why a lot of these players feel like, hey, I'm on the same level as he is. He's taking a night off. I'm taking a night off. And I think that's part of the problem too. But um, Kawhi's Kawhi. Uh, you know what you're getting with him. He's obviously a superstar. Uh, he's uh, he's one of the better players in the league. So uh, I guess he gets to pass for this one. But, you know, if this team happens to fall short during the playoffs, 
I will probably look back at this particular game and say that's where it all started. Yeah. Uh, if this team falls short in the playoffs, I'd be very curious if Kawhi uh, makes his way back because he has that option. So uh, anyway, we'll move on to the other L.A. team. Lakers, 2-1. and one. Losses to the Clippers, but uh, wins first. Uh, who am I thinking of? Wins first, uh, Dallas and Minnesota. A decent start to the year. Uh, Anthony Davis, LeBron James played middling minutes. Uh, you know, I think that's sort of going to be the whole thing for the first couple months of the season. But Harold Schroeder, uh, even uh, there's been some uh, Kyle Kuzma life. Uh, play, all played pretty well. Uh, what do you make the Lakers start? I'll be honest. You know, I didn't expect them to go 3-0 and to start off the season. Uh, especially that first game against the Clippers, uh, I think it was, I thought it was going to be tough. Especially the way they, uh, you know, the way they always play each other. But um, I did expect a little bit of a, a drop off after uh, you know win the championship. So I, I think they're exactly where I thought they were going to be. I think they're really going to get better as the season progresses. And if you kind of look down, up and down the board, they've uh, they've pretty much managed their minutes uh, in a really positive way to where. A lot of these players are getting, you know, uh, uh, about the same amount of minutes as, as their counterparts. And uh, I think that helps them going forward. It keeps everybody healthy, keeps everybody, uh, you know, young and uh, and fresh. So um, I really like where this team's headed. I'm, I'm really confident about this team uh, making another a playoff run. So uh, hopefully they can stay healthy and things are looking good. Yeah. Um, we'll move on to the Memphis Grizzlies. 0-2 losses. Uh to San Antonio and Atlanta. Uh, I think we talked about Memphis maybe being a better team, but uh, not having as many wins uh, this year. And I think that's sort of uh, what I've seen so far. Uh, Morant's been amazing. Uh, Dylan Brooks has been pretty solid. Uh, Kyle Anderson has been solid. Uh, They don't have Jaron Jackson Jr. back yet. Uh, Grayson Allen, I thought, has played pretty well. He's harassed people and annoyed them, which is his job. What did you make a Memphis start? Yeah, exactly what you said. We thought that we'd see an improvement. We thought that uh, we'd see some good development from them, but they still weren't ready to make that leap yet. And I think that's exactly what we've seen. We've seen some solid play, uh, some good development from their young players, but they're not quite ready to make that leap yet, especially in the tough West. Uh, so uh, I think that even though they're 0-2 right now, at least things are looking up. Yeah. All right, we'll move on to the Miami Heat also. One and one to start the year, lost to Orlando, win versus New Orleans. Uh, they've definitely, uh, I think they're definitely looking to ease themselves in the season. Uh, Bradley, Dragic, Butler, Igadala all playing sort of mid 20 minutes, and uh, the young guys, Hero, Adebayo, Duncan playing a lot of minutes. So uh, I don't know how much you can gauge early uh, other than they're probably going to let the young guys uh, eat up a bunch of minutes while they ease the uh, vets back into the season. Yeah, I think that's exactly what you're – I think you hit the nail on the head. I think that they're going to ease their, uh, <clears throat> their veterans into the season. Um, they're, I think they're in it for the long run. I think that this team is uh, a lot better than their 500 record shows right now. Uh, again, it's early in the season, but um, I, I think they're going to be sneaky good this season. Uh, I like what I saw from them last season. They, they really played uh, really cohesive team basketball, and I kind of expect them to do the same. 
Uh, I feel that one of the reasons they're dispersing their minutes the way they are is probably to build a little more team chemistry and kind of get other people going. But I think that once they, they, you know, hit the ground running, I think they're going to be hitting it on full stride. And I think they're going to be a solid team this season. Yeah. Okay. Uh, We'll go to the Milwaukee Bucks. One and two. Went with Golden State, a massacring. Losses to Boston and a very, very strange loss to the New York Knicks. Are you concerned or are you sort of, okay, uh, when this team wants to turn it on, they'll turn it on? I hope so because uh, they were uh, people's consensus number one team in the East and uh, for good reason when you've got, you know, Giannis on your team. Um, I think you're pretty much going to be favored pretty much game in and game out, night in, night out. So it's a little shocking. I definitely didn't see them starting the season off at one and two. But again, uh, this team is solid, and uh, I don't think that there's too much to really look into it. I think you're not too concerned if you're a Milwaukee fan. Um, you still trust that they're going to get things together. You know, some of the exams could have gone either way, like that Boston game. Uh, Giannis makes that free throw. Uh, again, we could be saying, uh, you know, we have a whole different story right now in our hands. We could be saying the uh, two and one bucks as opposed to the one and two bucks. But uh, it's early in the season. I think they're going to get it together. Uh, I, I trust that Giannis is going to carry this team to uh, not just one, but many victories this season. Uh, I think that the question then becomes is how they're going to do in the playoffs. And uh, I'd like to see them at least get a third into the season before I feel comfortable making a prediction about how they're going to play there. Yeah, a part of me thinks they're easing into this. Uh, right now, Giannis is taking five threes a game. So I think they're trying to sort of see where their offense can uh, improve and get better for the playoffs because, uh, honestly, uh, no one is going to care about how many regular season games this team wins. I, I mean, this is probably the longest we'll talk about them all regular season long because uh, I don't care if they win the rest of their regular season games. Uh, it's about what this team's going to do in the playoff and can they win playoff games. So I'm not really all that concerned about their start. Uh, losing to the Knicks is always a concern, but uh, I'm not all that worried. Yeah, I think that for them, it's basically NBA finals are bust right now. Uh, and they're looking at the – not to shift sports, but I think that to me it's kind of like the Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, you know, we're expecting them to see see them put up their, their best performances – in the postseason, not so much uh, during the regular season. Yeah, that's a great comp. Uh, we'll move on to the Minnesota Timberwolves. Uh, wins Detroit, wins Utah, lost Lakers. Uh, very weird. Uh, Towns and Russell have been rather poor. Uh, the interesting Malik Beasley and his lady troubles and his gun troubles has played pretty well. Uh, I've liked what I've seen from uh, Anthony Edwards uh, so far. Easily rookie of the year. Um, what do you make of this team right now? I tell you, I'm really excited to to watch Anthony Edwards play. I, I think that uh, when the season started and we did our show, of our potential M, uh, award show, um, I had Edwards and I had Wiseman as uh, my two potential rookie of the year uh, candidates. And uh, Edwards is looking really good so far. I, I like what I've seen from him. Uh, the team in general, you know, getting off to a pretty good start. Uh, I think that that loss against the Lakers was, uh, you know, kind of expected. Uh, but, you know, their their wins, I think their wins were, were against teams that they should have beat. Uh, 
And I think that they're sitting exactly where they should be sitting at right now. Uh, I do like the fact that they're kind of getting everybody involved. There's uh, no one really, you know, taking over the, uh, the minutes threshold. I think that they've been dispersing those minutes uh, pretty evenly. And I think that's going to help them as the season progresses uh, just for their young guys to get a lot better. Uh, I think the ceiling's pretty high for Edwards. So uh, if he continues to play this way, I think that he's uh, almost, I don't want to say a lock because it's very early on, but uh, I think he's definitely, you know, a top candidate for the rookie of the year. Yeah, definitely. So uh, we'll go to the Pelicans two and one. Uh, They look good versus Toronto. They looked uh, very bad versus Miami and, uh, that San Antonio game yesterday was uh, a a eyesore to watch. Uh, both of them looked pretty bad, but they did come away with a win. Uh, I'm hot and cold on New Orleans right now. Brandon Ingram uh, is finally starting to morph into that player. I think the Lakers thought he was going to be a, a, about four years ago. Zion's been okay. Uh, I haven't liked what I've seen so far from Lonzo and Eric Bledsoe. Uh, Steven Adams has brought a toughness to that team, but... Uh, what are you making of uh, New Orleans right now? Uh, you know, I'm not huge on New Orleans, to be completely honest with you. I think that um, as the season progresses, although Brandon Ingram has been uh, kind of a bright spot in this uh, this season, uh, kind of uh, he's starting to turn into the player that I thought he was going to be when he was with the Lakers. But I think this team is going to be too heavily dependent on Williamson this season, and I think that that's going to hurt them. Uh, I don't know how much you can depend on him to carry you I think that defensively he's a, he's a beast uh, and offensively he can get the job done, but he's just, to me, he's not the type of player that you're going to put all your chips on. Uh, he's definitely a franchise type player, but for him to carry everybody, I think that he needs some help. He's going to need some role players. He's going to need some, uh, some guys to help him out. Uh, so far uh, we haven't really had guys step up. I think a lot of people thought that Lonzo was going to be that one guy to, to kind of help carry the load. Uh, but I don't know. Uh, I, I need to see more just to be uh, swayed one way or another. I'm not positive or negative on them right now. I just not as high as other people are. Yeah. Uh, Scion gets the hype and he's the pretty uh, diamond, but uh, this team is being carried right now by Brandon Ingram. So uh, he's the one who's probably going to determine how well uh, the, the Pelican season uh, goes on. All right. We'll move on to the New York Knicks. Uh, losses to Indiana and Philly. Win versus Milwaukee. Uh, liked what I've seen from R.J. Barrett. Uh, you're getting your normal stuff from uh, Julius Randle. Uh, Obi Toppin got hurt. Uh, I guess that's all I can pretty much say about this team. Yeah, uh, I think that the Toppin injury is uh, really uh, unfortunate setback for them. I think that they really need him to play uh, as many minutes as they Little can. Little shout to out to Alec Burks as well. He's played well uh, too, but uh, yeah, he, he has, he's actually been a bright spot, but uh, I think that the top of thing which is, is it, the injury is really, really bad for them. I, I, he, he needs some development and uh, I think that he gets it by playing. Uh, I think play time is what's really going to help him push him to the next level. Um, it's the Knicks. I, I don't know how much we're expecting from them, uh, but I don't, I don't want to take up too much time on, on the next and I'm not trying to be rude about it, but uh, I just don't know how much we expected from this team, but I'll know, be rude about it. We can move on. The Knicks are awful. <laughs> they're one and two. So they're, <laughs> yes, they I know with a win over Milwaukee. So, uh... <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, they got that to hang their hat on. So, 
All right, we'll move on to the Oklahoma City Thunder. We'll be quick on them as well. They've played one game because the Houston game got canceled. It was a win. Uh, how long do they go before they win another one? Oh, God, that's a, that's a question here, right? Uh, it's hard to gauge a team that's played only one game, uh, even as early in the season as we may, we may be. But, how many uh, shares of Lou Dort do you have as a finals MVP? <laughs> how many do you have? Uh, not too many. Yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I I, I was I didn't think that uh, Thunder were going to be great this season. Uh, I'm still interested to see what they're going to do, though. I, I still think that they're an interesting. Yeah, it's an interesting mash of random young players, but uh, I I don't know if I'm sold on Lou Dort as your best player. But uh, anyway, I guess a good win versus Charlotte. Yeah, yeah you, you, that's exactly what it is. It's a good win. Uh, they're 1-0, so let's go. <laughs> All right. Uh, speaking of surprising 3-0, and uh, Orlando Magic, 3-0. and Wins versus Miami. Two wins versus Washington. Uh, are they finally for real, or is just just a good stretch for the Orlando Magic? I think it's still too early to tell. I'm a big uh, Vucevic fan. I think that he's a yeah, he's really been good great player to start the year. Yeah, I think that he's uh, he's really solid, and he it, he's pretty much shown it, you know, year in year out. Um, I, I I wouldn't call him a, a you know a legit team as of right now. I think that it's way too early still. I don't think that they've really faced uh, you know against. Uh, really tough opponents, uh, the type of opponents that are really going to push them and show their true colors. So I think that once we get a few more games at the season, we'll uh, it'll be a little more telling as far as where they really stand. But as of right now, you know, they're 3-0 and and good for them. Well, I, I don't know if this is the week where we'll get that uh, two games versus OKC, one versus Philly. So uh, they <laughs> they might be 5-1 and one next week when we're doing our recap. They could even be 6-0. and oh, You never know. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I will say uh, Markel Fultz really playing uh, good basketball right now. That extension doesn't look as uh, quite as psychotic as it did at the beginning of the year. But uh, Fultz uh, starting to play into that uh, number one pick that he was supposed to be. Yeah, I I mean, I still would like to see, you know, uh, a higher point per game uh, average from him, uh, especially considering that, you know, he's getting paid like uh, like like the guy, uh, but you know, it's, it's still pretty good. I think that, you know, his, uh, his stock is definitely trending up right now. So at three, you know, uh, he's definitely uh, leading his team to victories right now. And that's exactly what you expect. Yeah. Uh, we'll move on to Fultz's former team, Philadelphia 76ers, uh, pretty solid week, two and one wins over Washington and the Knicks uh, disturbing loss to the Cavs. Um, Embiid has looked really good. Uh, Simmons, I thought, has looked solid. Uh, Seth Curry's been efficient on threes. But um, what do you make of this team's uh, start right now? I, I mean, at two and I think it's a solid start. I, I don't think that we really projected them to lose to to Cleveland. Uh, so maybe that's a little bit of a, of a downer, but. You know, I think I still think it's a solid start. I, th- I, I think, think scoring 94 points versus Cleveland might be the more disturbing factor. Or allowing what was it, 118? Yes. <laughs> I mean, I, either way you look at it, that was a bad, bad game. So, uh, but you know, they're still two and one. And, uh, you know, like you said, Simmons is looking good and Beat is looking good. Uh, Curry, if he can 
keep being efficient from the outside. I think that, you know, he's going to be solid. Uh, I, I, I still kind of like the 76ers as a, as a quiet, uh, you know, I wouldn't say underdog, but as a, as a sneaky team to, you know, maybe make some noise uh, in the, in the East. Yeah. All right. We'll move on to the Phoenix Suns. Two and one. Win versus Dallas. Loss versus Sacramento. Win versus Sacramento. Uh, Chris Paul hasn't played a ton. I didn't. I haven't thought he's looked great. Uh, Aitens hasn't looked great. Uh, I thought Booker's looked good. Mikel Bridges has looked uh, amazing. Uh, they've gotten some wins, but uh, I haven't thought they looked all that great so far. Uh, yeah, I'm right there with you. Uh, but then again, I also wasn't too high on them. I wasn't as high on them as you were. Um, my expectations on them were a little bit lower, partly because I thought that I thought that they were going to lean on Paul a lot more than they actually have. Uh, and I thought that that probably wasn't the best recipe, uh, especially aging Paul as, as good as he is, you know, future Hall of Famer and all. Uh, I think that you are making a mistake to really put your franchise on the back of an old point guard like that, but they haven't been leaning on him as much as I thought they would. Uh, maybe that's one of the reasons why they're two and one. I don't know. Uh, I definitely like to see, you know, a bigger game sample before I start kind of uh, uh, chomping away at this team, but uh, you know, good for them. Two and one. It's a good way to start. Uh, they've got some tough opponents coming up. Um, then again, maybe they don't based on uh, who those teams have healthy or not, but yes, I still think that it's a solid start for them. Yeah, I think this week will tell us a lot. Uh, New Orleans uh, at Utah at Denver first Clippers. Uh, if they can get through this week and still be uh, over 500, I- I'd be a little more impressed. Um, just uh, Jalen Smith has looked pretty much like hot garbage. Uh, you know who'd have, who would have been nice? Uh, Tyrese Halliburton on this team. Uh, just saying, uh, Jalen Smith... Hot garbage, plus you have like 10 other bigs. Um, interesting decision, but uh, I'll move off that one. Yeah, maybe they saw something that we don't see at the moment. Uh, maybe it's more of a long-term decision, but yeah, I agree. I don't understand how you passed up, uh, how you passed them up at, uh, where you were, but that's neither here nor there. That's ancient history now. Yeah. Uh, Portland Trailblazers, one and one, got massacred by Utah. Uh, needed a... Lot of CJ McCollum to come back versus Houston. Uh, defenses started out pretty poor here. Uh, any worries about the Blazers' start, or you think they're just fighting their sea legs? They've only played two games, so yeah, it's only two games. Uh, you're only sitting at one and one. You're sitting at five hundred, so you're fine. But uh, uh, Damian Lillard, uh, I, I don't know. Uh, I have really high expectations for him this season, and uh, maybe. You know, he fills those expectations as the season progresses, but I think as of right now, it's been a little lackluster. Uh, but McCollum, I think, has been really impressive. I, I, You know, he was kind of on fire during the postseason last season, and he's kind of carried over. So um, I, I'd still like to see how much we're going to get of uh, uh, Carmelo Anthony this season. Um, if he can contribute and be a, a solid role player, I think this team's going to be good going forward. So... Uh, I'm excited to see him uh, hopefully get things back on track. Yeah, they, they don't seem to have found uh, their right wing rotation. Uh, Trent's not playing uh, very much. Anthony's uh, sort of in the mid-20s. Uh, Jones and Covington playing a lot of minutes right now, and uh, they've only been so-so. So uh, I, I think the Blazers need a little bit more time to sort of figure uh, this rotation and team out. 
Yeah, I think that's exactly what it is. I think as uh, the season progresses, we'll see a little bit more of uh, what that team really is. But as of right now, at 500, I think they'll take it. Yeah. Uh, Sacramento Kings, 2-1. and one. A Good win versus Denver. Win versus Phoenix. Loss versus Phoenix. Um, they're fun to watch. Uh, I don't know how good they're going to be, but uh, they're, a, they're an interesting watch. Buddy is... Uh, Literally chucking every time he touches the ball. Uh, De'Aaron Fox is is a flash. Um, I've loved what I've seen from Halliburton. He's not scoring, but uh, he's sort of doing everything and getting everybody involved. Uh, Bagley's been uh, solid, but uh, just an interesting, weird team here. Yeah, uh, I definitely want to see more out of Tyrese uh, before... Uh, the season gets too deep. I think that he's a solid player. I don't understand how he got to this point in the draft, uh, but I, I still think he's a really solid player. Um, now, as far as the team's concerned, a two and one, I think that they'll take it. I didn't think that they'd be two and one, to be honest with you. Uh, maybe I'm a little bit down on them uh, more than more so than most people, but I just look up and down this roster and not hugely impressed. I know that they have some solid players, but uh, just no one that really pops off uh, and kind of puts a little bit of fear in me. If I'm playing against this team, I'm looking up and down this roster. I'm just like, eh, we could probably win this game. But, uh, you know, I think I still think they're a solid team. And I still think that as the season progresses, they'll get better. Uh, but I don't quite know exactly where they sit right now. Yeah. All right. Uh, San Antonio Spurs also two and one wins versus Memphis at Toronto. Uh, lost versus New Orleans in that uh, crappy 98-95 game. Really weird team to watch. Uh, the young guys have been good. The veterans have been solid. It's a weird mix, but uh, they played pretty well, and uh, they look all right. Yeah, uh, I think that, you know, you're. this is a tough team. I, I hate, you know, bad-mouthing the Spurs because uh, the Spurs are the Spurs. You know, they still have a solid coaching staff, uh, but – I also don't want to sit here and say that, you know, they're, they're a great team, but I, I think they're doing okay. I think that they're building this team exactly the way they should be. They're giving their veterans uh, the majority of the minutes and they're giving their young players uh, enough minutes to kind of help develop them and to come along and get some, you know, game time experience. Uh, that's exactly the way that I think you should build a team, which doesn't shock me with this coaching stuff. I think that they're going to do everything the right way. Uh, I do like uh, what DeRozan has shown so far. I think that he's uh, stepped his game up a little bit. Uh, I think that he's going to take over as the leader of this team, uh, along with uh, with Aldridge. But I think that they're going to be okay. Uh, I just – it's a really small sample size, so I don't know how much we really want to take out of it. But I think that to start off at 2-1, I think they'll take it. Yeah, uh, seven people in uh, double figures on their roster scoring – at what point do you think they uh, go full blown with the young guys and, uh, you know, DeRozan and Aldridge and Gay and uh, Mills are all on the last year of their contract? Uh, I mean, I think it'd probably be hard for them if they keep, uh, you know, winning games like this to trade them off. But uh, I mean, they're clearly sort of setting the ship to bring these young guys and take over. At what point do you think they they start to unload these guys? I think that you have to break down the season into portions. And I think that after uh, you think you play it exactly the way you're playing it. Now uh, you keep bringing these young guys along and uh, you know, make use of your veterans. Uh, it definitely raises the value of all your veterans, your one year guys. 
um, so that once you get to that trade deadline, maybe if you're not, you know, in contention, you can shop those guys around and uh, acquire some more talent uh, to build going forward. But again, if you're winning these games, maybe you don't change things up a lot. Maybe you uh, disperse the minutes a little bit differently though, to help, you know, bring those uh, young guys along even further. And uh, I mean, you never know, you can't really count this team out. Um, we've done it before in the past and it, and it hasn't turned out well. So I think that as of right now, you're playing it exactly how you should be playing it. Uh, continue to build up the the value of your veterans, your one-year guys, and uh, continue to bring up and develop your young guys. Yeah. All right. We'll move on to the Toronto Raptors. 0-2 losses to New Orleans and San Antonio. Uh, not a great start. Uh, you know, tough games, you know, to open New Orleans, San Antonio. Uh, it'll be an interesting week. Philly, uh, Knicks, New Orleans. Uh, what do you make of the Raptors right now? Uh, do you think that this is a drop-off that's finally going to happen for this team? I hope not because I, I was somewhat high on this team. I thought that they would at least be competitive enough to uh, make some noise. But so far, pretty slow start. Again, it's early in the season. It's only two games in. But uh, from what we've seen, I think that it's uh, at least a little bit concerning. Uh, maybe some of us jumped the gun a little bit, uh, a little quickly on them and uh, just put them up a little bit higher than they're actually going to be. Uh, again, uh, I definitely want to see a bigger sample size before I say this team is done, but uh, definitely a little concerning so far how the season has started. Yeah. Uh, I haven't liked the way uh, Pascal Siakam's looked. Uh, if he's not, I wouldn't say he's not going to ever be an elite player, but if he's not a 22 point a game guy and he's not efficient, I don't know if they have enough, uh, you know, Lowry and Van Fleet are great and they'll be there, but uh, you, you need a guy who can sort of carry them uh, into that uh, top tier. And uh, I think there might be some war rooms uh, from Pascal Siakam's uh, very, very poor uh, playoff play here. Yeah. I, again, I definitely want to see how this progresses as the season goes. Uh, it's definitely a storyline that I'll be watching, but, you know, 0 and 2, probably not the best start. Yeah. Uh, Jazz, 1-1, one one, uh, looked awesome versus Portland. Did not look quite as awesome versus Minnesota. Uh, hard to get a feel for them in only two games. Uh, but uh, I do like uh, this roster, uh, especially with uh, Boogie back. Uh, what would you make of the Jazz start? The Jazz, to me, are one of those teams that just kind of had me confused. I don't really know where to put them. I, I like Gobert. I like, you know, Conley. I just, I, I don't know how this team is going to look halfway through the season. And that's the part that uh, uh, has me puzzled is that I don't know what to expect from them. Um, I, I think that you might be a little bit higher on them than I am, but you know, they're, it's one to one and I know that it's early on, but you know, they could very easily be two and oh at this point. I think they should have uh, been two and oh. Yeah, I, I think so also. And, you know, if you would have asked me prior to the season kicking off, would they be 2-0? I probably said, no, I think they're going to be 0-2. So that tells you how, uh, how much I think about this team. And I'm not trying to be disrespectful about it or anything, but um, I think that they're probably playing a lot better than what they, they should be capable of playing. But uh, this is why you play the games. You know, I think that they're – 
as long as they continue what they're doing right now, they're going to be solid. I just don't really know where to put them right now. Yeah. All right. Uh, should be an interesting week. OKC, Phoenix, Clippers, San Antonio. Uh, some tough games in there. A couple easy ones. Uh, we'll see how they uh, come out at the end of uh, next week. And we'll move on to our last team. I, I think uh, we're both going to be a little disappointed with this team. Uh, the Wizards, 0-3. Philadelphia loss, double losses to Orlando. Um, they're fun to watch, but uh, they literally could not defend a elementary school team, I think. Uh, everyone on this team is terrible at defense except for their rookie, Denny. Uh, this might be a problem that we didn't foresee that, uh, they can score, but, uh, everyone can score on them quite easily. <laughs> yeah. It's pretty evident based off of the, uh, the scores from their last three games. Um, uh, was it, I think they gave up 113, 130 30 and 120. Yes, that's right. So, <laughs> two, uh, it's two a, of those a, to the magic who, Needless to say, are not exactly the uh, stars of the offensive uh, dynasty of the NBA. But they're definitely making the Magic look like an offensive juggernaut if you look at the statistics <laughs> so far this season. Yes, I know. Uh, Terrence Ross is uh, in the MVP conversation right now because of them. Yeah, you know, but like if we really stop and look at this roster, uh, you know, Bradley Beal, Russell Westbrook, uh, how many guys do they have that are really considered like lockdown defenders? Well, yeah, that's what I was I was about to get into. Uh, literally, Beal and Westbrook are pretty much zeros on defense. Uh, Thomas Bryant is a zero on defense, and I'm not 100% sure they should even be playing him because I, I don't think you need his offense. You could get offense from a billion people. Bertans is not a great defender. Uh, their best defender, Isaac Bonga, uh, a good defender, literally brings zero, absolutely zero on the offensive side of the ball. So he's not really all that playable. Uh, it, it's got some fun names. Uh, I've been impressed with how Denny has played. He's he's fit in nicely, but uh, he, he's not someone who's going to be able to guard five people. Uh, you know, that happened in that first Orlando game. He was switching a couple times and got in foul trouble in that first quarter because he was the only one trying on defense. And now I'm a little scared that uh, he's going to start uh, accepting that uh, no one on this team plays defense. <laughs> he's going to turn into a bad defender too. You hope not because uh, to me, he was one of the uh, one of the top prospects during the draft. Uh, so I really hope that he doesn't uh, kind of follow that mentality. Uh, I hope that he keeps well, working on his defense. I'm trying to trade him to the Spurs or the Raptors or the Heat now. <laughs> Oh, he'd be great at one of those teams, wouldn't he? But, uh, you know, he is where he is right now, so I, I just hope that he keeps developing his defensive play. They're like, don't uh, get bad habits. Yeah, <laughs> it's going to be hard with those guys there. But I will say this. Did you happen to place that bet, uh, that long shot bet on the uh, the rebound leader for the season? I did. I do have Russell Westbrook as the rebound leader. And because uh, if someone a, could die. Uh, put supports, man. Take out Andre Drummond in the next week or so. I, I think I could be in on this. Yeah, I, you know, man, he's. We talked about it during the award show, and you know, he's 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 obviously going to be a double digit rebound guy, uh, point guard, and uh, you're not used to seeing, it, especially from that position. But what's he at right now? He's at eleven. Uh, everybody else is under five. So. <laughs> 
Yeah, so, I mean, I think that he's probably going to lead this team in rebounds, and uh, if they continue playing this type of defense, he's going to have the opportunity to, you know, go for a lot of uh, missed shots and things like that. So uh, I think that your odds are looking even better and better. Uh, just uh, Thomas Bryant at seven feet in athletic, uh, possibly grab more than four rebounds a game. Just a, just, <laughs> just a Listen, thought. Don't jinx your own bed, okay? It's working. I, I can't help it. Someone that tall and that athletic. Uh, can we if grab only. more than four? Listen, if he's not going to use that size, I'll take some of it. Yes, I know. I, I'll take some of that too. <laughs> All right. So that's our NBA recap of the week. Be sure to follow greenlightnetwork.org for all your podcasts. Me and Achilles will be back on tomorrow for the Football Time Podcast weekly review show. Week uh, 16, uh, it will be a dark show. Uh, he's wearing his black shirt right now. He might be in Johnny Cash all black tomorrow, but uh, he will grind through it. Uh, it was not his favorite weekend. I'm sure there is sadness. Uh, hopefully by week 17, that sadness will erode. But uh should be a fun show. Yeah, sadness, anger. Uh, I am currently in mourning, uh, but I'll find a way to get through it. Uh, I usually do so. Uh, but thanks for having me on, man. I appreciate it. All right. Uh, where can we find you, Achilles? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at TD Achilles. You can also find me on Instagram at TD Achilles also. All right. Let's go to our movie review with Rita Cinema. We got another big major motion picture. Wonder Woman 84 to review today on the hybrid release HBO Max and out in the movie theaters. So what did we make of Wonder Woman 84, the sequel to Wonder Woman? Well, I'll just start out by saying I liked it. And let me just say a few more things to illustrate that a little more. Frankly, it hasn't been such a great year, and unfortunately, until we have all have access to the COVID vaccine, 2021 is going to continue to have a certain amount of fear and uncertainty for all of us, and just follow us around until we can all get better next year. Thankfully, there have been some things that have saved us. Uh, one is, I'd say, technology. We do have access to te things such as texting and Facebook and Zoom. And um, think about those people who lived through the 1980 flu pandemic. Uh, they didn't have any of that. We've had delivery of just about anything you want. You want it, it can be delivered. And we have had entertainment via our computers and TVs. Uh, specifically sports, movies, original TV content. And what could be better than getting the gift of Wonder Woman on Christmas Day? We waited all year for the opportunity to see this film. Actually, we've been waiting a couple of years since the first one came out. Three years, I believe. Um, so three or two? Three. Yeah, 2017, I think. Well, I was ready. I think we turned it on at noon when it was ready to go. Um it's hard for me not to like Wonder Woman, uh, and you won't get much negative from me about this movie or the first one. Um, I would say that Wonder Woman as a character and superhero makes even a 70-year-old woman feel empowered. That woman is great. I just love seeing a strong, smart, woman of strong character, and yes, beautiful too, saving the world. Uh, 
what female, young or old, wouldn't love that? Um, and I really enjoyed the first Wonder Woman movie and highly anticipated this one. I did have to watch it twice. Uh, I was a little unsure after the first watch, uh, you know, just whether I liked it or not. I mean, I knew I liked it, but I had some doubts about it. But um, I watched it again, and I really I enjoyed it so much more the second time. And it made me really anxious to see a third movie, which I have read um, is going to be made. They are going to make another one. Um, I they will make it until Gal Gadot gets old. Says no. Um, or Patty well, Jenkins continues to run her mouth slamming Warner Brothers. Well, and mm-hmm. Warner Brothers, there are. I, I think you can't be guaranteed because, you know, we don't know what's going to happen with movies in, in you know, the next two or three years, and uh, so, but they have said there will be a third Wonder Woman. Um, They haven't promised anything beyond that. Um, And uh, I think when I watched it the second time, I will say I heard more, I, there were, there were some messages you had to pick up on and, and connections you had to make, and I think I, the second time I heard and saw those a little bit better than, because I already knew what the story was going to be. And, and so um, I got it better the second time. And the funny thing is, it, as I said, it's a bit long. I, I think it's a little too long. Um, but the length of it didn't bother me as much the second time I watched it for some reason. I can't explain that. So that's kind of my initial reaction to, to Wonder Woman. Um, I can give a... Um, review of the story a little bit if you want me to go on or if you want to say something here I'll turn it back to you no uh, I enjoyed it I did not enjoy it as much as the first woman yeah. Wonder Woman I thought the first Wonder Woman had a better character development I I did not think the villains were developed properly in this one as was the first one uh i thought the villains were much better and that's yeah. a little sad considering maxwell lord and cheetah are two of uh, the main villains in the dc universe cheetah being uh wonder woman's main foil which yeah. i was a little disappointed in her screen time i i, I actually thought they developed that character fairly well, well yes but they had one fight i they had two fights yeah they but she was a fights. cheetah and oh, she was that's still right. Barbara. Well, maybe that's in the fourth or fifth movie. Well, okay. that's what I was going to say. I <laughs> you could can't un- get it all in one movie. I could understand and accept if Cheetah's going to have a bigger role in further movies down yeah. the road. If she has not... Uh, because they did leave us pretty much yes, hanging with Cheetah. I would be very disappointed yeah. because Cheetah is one of the best Wonder Woman villains, if not the best Wonder Woman villain, and one of the best uh, villains in the DC universe. So. Oh, well. I didn't know that you had to tell me that. I I will say that I love Wonder Woman, but you know I'm not. I have never really followed DC Comics. I do watch some of the movies, and I understand about superhero action movies, uh, but I don't know all the details about some of the characters. Um, at least uh, you know for at least some of the DC uh, characters. Um, so let me give a little background on the story, although I'm not going to be a spoiler on this one. I don't want to tell the whole story because I think it's important to enjoying the movie uh, to see what happens. Um, so anyway, of course, it's Wonder Woman 84. So we have moved into the 80s, 1980s, and we have Diana, uh, played by Gal Gadot, of course, pursuing her career as a cultural anthropologist at the Smithsonian, but also saving lives and preventing 
chaos as her alter ego Wonder Woman. Um, and that's her life. Uh, she's a little bit lonely because, of course, she misses Steve, who she lost uh, her love, the love of her life, who she lost in the first movie. So it starts with a robbery of a jewelry store in a mall. And the store's a front for moving um, stolen ancient artifacts and art. You know, it's a secret uh, uh, that I guess some criminals know, but the world just sees it as a jewelry store in the mall. So once the robbers are caught, and they are by Wonder Woman, by the way, um, the object, this um, uh, artifact, this ancient artifact, which is a stone, um, ends up at the Smithsonian, and the FBI wants to talk with one of the uh, other scientists there, Barbara Minerva, and um, uh, this is played by uh, Kristen Wiig, uh, about what this thing is. So we're introduced to Max Lord, who is played by Pedro Pascal. I, I'm giving a very small intro to this movie. There's a lot more details in it. Um, who wants this object uh, in order to give him power and success and basically control of the world. He is our bad guy in this movie, um, and as you said, is one of the characters that goes on in, in the DC comic world of Wonder Woman. Eventually, we find out that the object itself, this stone, um, grants wishes. Um, you can make a wish, and your wish will come true, but in, in um, return, um, it takes something of value from the individual. So if I make a wish, I lose something uh, to, to, the, to the stone. Um, eventually, we have our lead characters all making a wish. Uh, Diana touches it and wishes to have her true love Steve come back alive and be back in her life. Barbara wishes it, and I might des- I didn't describe Barbara very well, but she's a, a really, um, you know, uh, Diana makes friends with her, but she's, uh, they work together at the Smithsonian, but she's this kind of mousy, quiet, clumsy, uh, oafish woman. That's the best way I can I can think to describe it. And, you know, nobody ever pays any attention to her, and guys don't like her, and, you know, she's always picked on. So anyway, um, uh, uh, the object, uh, get, she wishes for, um, uh, to be, Barbara wishes to be beautiful, sexy, and powerful like Diana. And Max Lord wishes to be, uh, he wants to be the dream stone, as you call it. He wants to turn into it so that he can grant wishes, but at the same time take something of value from each person who wishes. Um, it took me a little bit to get that, I have to say, and that's part of what I did better watching it the second time. I picked up on on, on some of that a little bit better. Um, but Max Lord, uh, he will accumulate wealth and power by virtue of of gaining uh, something of value uh, from people of power. And one of them is the president, and he goes all over the world, uh, an oil baron, and all over the world, get, uh, granting wishes, but also taking something away that he keeps himself. Now, most of these wishes are really bad for the world, and chaos ensues, of course. Um, at, at, the, Diana lose, starts to lose her powers after, I mean, Steve comes back. We have the, you know, her love comes back into her life. But she begins to lose her powers and her strength as Wonder Woman. Barbara becomes sexy and fierce and, you know, uh, 
a beautiful woman with a, who can hold power over people too. Through, uh, but um, she loses her good-natured innocence and kindness. She's not a kind and nice person anymore. And Max, who who uh, loses his health and possibly his son, who he does love dearly. So the world is facing collapse. And these three individuals, they do find out that if you renounce your wish, things can go back to normal. So these three individuals have to make this crucial decision of whether they renounce their wish. It's the only way to bring the world back to normal. Now, that's all I'm going to say because, as I say, I think it's really important to the story that you not know exactly what happens. You can probably guess some things. But um, I will say that... at I, I after, after I thought about this movie a little bit, and, and again, after I watched it two times, um, I think that at the... I guess this is the way it is with most of the DC comics and the superheroes. There's a there's a message in there, and and um, it, it I think that at the heart of this story is this question of ethics and character. And just as Diana uh, was forced... Um, uh, the hard way when she was a child in the opening scene of the movie, which, by the way, is I thought was great. Uh, I'm going to talk about that uh, a little bit more. Um, she had to learn a lesson as a child about truth and living life the right way and making the right decisions, not just for her, but for everyone, for humankind. So in this movie, she is faced with that and the consequences of her decisions. Um, it's also, I think... A very good story for our times in that it it presents the danger of spreading lies and misinformation and living a life of self-indulgence. You, you see what happens to the characters who, who do this. And uh, it does seem to be somewhat applicable to some of what happened in our world today. We might need Wonder Woman pretty soon to save our world. Um, and by valuing, by showing how when you value power and wealth over truth and cons- uh, kindness, it, it, it's a bad direction to go to in our world. Um, so that's kind of my overview of, of what the story is. I have some ob- observations about the things I liked and didn't like, but go ahead. All right. Well, I was going to say the opening sequence uh, when they're doing the uh, sort of Olympic Games, uh, I thought that was... Possibly the best uh, action sequence in the whole thing, though. Uh, the part where Maxwell Lord, that's where I, he comes to regret this. And uh, if anyone knows the Maxwell Lord character, he, he's essentially possibly a worse Lex Luthor. So yeah. that's where I... They made him sort of a... Sympathetic character? No, just a sniveling wimpy. He wanted wealth, but he sort of snaked his way, whereas Maxwell Lord has always been a genius and a cutthroat businessman where he would basically not wish. He would just go that way and uh, cut your throat, where this guy was sort of a a 80s salesman of, you know. <laughs> snake oil. Yes, a 80s snake oil salesman, you know, running infomercials to get right. rich, you know. Yeah. And, you know, buy well, his. found an easier way. Though. Buy his oil reserves, <laughs> yeah. whereas the uh, the real Maxwell, there are sort of 
two or three different versions in the DC universe of the Maxwell Lord. They chose one that didn't have powers. There's also a version where he does have powers and has mind control. Oh, um, yeah. Well, I think there might be more, though, because when I watched it the second time, I did pick up on the fact that when, you know, he came back, he was talking to his son at the end there, and he had come back. Um, he still mentioned how he wanted to have power and be a great success well, yes, for but, his son. So I thought there's more to come on this. Well, that's what I, I'm hoping. <laughs> this little moment of being nice isn't going to hold That it's a long-term play, because that's what Max, yeah. Maxwell Lord, much like uh, Lex Luthor, is a long-term villain that yeah. is sort of behind the scenes, uh, power brokering, uh, you know, the villain. They aren't, you know, there's no way Maxwell Lord can compete with Wonder Woman, who is a, essentially a goddess. He would lose every time if they got in a fight. So he has to use his brain and manipulate circumstances. And that's where I thought they put Maxwell Lord too far in front, where I thought they should have put him more in the background, put Cheetah out front mm-hmm. and have them sort of dueling, where they sort of, Cheetah was the background villain here, and uh, Maxwell Lord was more the front villain. That's and true. that's. Yeah where I thought uh, they, they sort had, of missed they, on this. They had some interaction between the two of them when Barbara was yes. Barbara, um, but not a lot. But that would be the thing. Yeah. Like Maxwell Lord would use Cheetah yeah. to you well, know, I think that's distract for, Wonder yeah. Woman, and then Maxwell Lord would gain his power and stuff. But I felt like we only got the very tip of the iceberg on the Cheetah story. That's what I'm hoping. That I think there's a lot more to go there because she was left kind of hanging in the There's more in-depth Cheetah battles because yeah, uh, there, there are a be. lot of great storylines uh, with Kristen Wiig probably hopes there is, too. <laughs> I'm sure she does. <laughs> okay, well, let me, let me just say I have a few other observations that I, I'd like to say uh, about the movie. I I agree. With you. I really loved that opening scene uh, with Diana as a small. Chi- she's a small child in a highly demanding physical race with grown women, an Olympic style race, which I thought was just. I, I don't. Know, I thought it was mesmerizing, just beautifully done the way they put that together. Um, riding the when they particularly when they were riding those horses and when they. I don't know, shooting the bows and arrows. I just thought I was. I just thought it was great, but you can see her determination and her consumption with winning. She, um, but she takes this shortcut in order to come in first, and she's denied victory because she cheated. And this is a lesson from the aunt who is played by. I that's, think that's her aunt. It's yes. played by Robin, Robin Wright. Robin Wright Pin. Well, no, she goes by Robin Wright now. Oh yeah. Okay. Um. Anyway, and uh. She says, um, you don't take the easy way to win and it, just to make yourself happy. Do the right thing. And the thing is, I don't, I, you know, that, that's one of the things in the first watching of the movie, that didn't make a huge impression on me. But the second it did, because I realized the story's going to come back around where she has to make a decision like that, uh, where she has to make a decision for the good of all as opposed to making herself happy, and she has to do the right thing. So this comes back to us uh, toward the end of the movie when when Diana has to make this uh, difficult um, decision. Um, I actually thought Kristen Wiig was perfect for the character of Barbara Minerva. That's probably why I... Wanted because I wanted yeah. more Cheetah because I, I oh, actually she was good. I enjoyed her character more than because I because she was so good at playing. First of all, she's great at playing this mousy, clumsy, sweet, kind kind of. 
person, but she turned herself into a really strong, sexy character too, and she you could see her grow with it. I thought they actually, I thought they did that really well because yes. gradually she grew from. I thought you the, know that's uh, what I enjoyed. I wanted yeah. that's what I wanted. You wanted more, more of that. I yeah. wanted more uh, of that, and Maxwell yeah. Lord in the background manipulating things. Yeah. Uh, more than Maxwell Lord in the foreground. With- but she manipulated him a tad, yes. too, you know. So mm-hmm. it was an interesting uh, 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 pairing. There's only one thing I didn't like about Cheetah, and maybe this was just me, but I didn't, at the end, where she was in, you know, made up to be the Cheetah, I didn't like the costume and the makeup. I thought it looked like a Halloween costume, well, and her that makeup was, was drawn all, on or something. Well, no, it, it well, just it seemed essentially wimpy. It was, uh, it was all CGI. Well, I know it was, but I thought they could have made it so much better. Oh, I knew it was CGI. I mean, obviously, it, yes. it wasn't a costume that she put on, but uh, I'm just using that to represent. I, I just thought she could have looked so much more fierce and, I don't know, big and strong and fast. And I don't, I just, that one just, I just thought it could have been, been done a little better. It just wasn't convincing for me that she was this uh, powerful cheetah. Um, I have to say, I while I liked Pedro Pascal, I mean, you know, it's hard for me not to think of him as the Mandalorian now, but um, while I liked, although I know he's played several roles, and um, I liked him, I didn't, there were moments where I, he was really good, but I can't, I don't know, maybe I don't know the character, maybe I don't know the character of uh, Maxwell Lord well enough to know, was he a perfect fit for that i, I didn't get he, the same feeling i got with Kristen wig and of course gal gadot i thought he played the part well i, I don't think well. it was acting yeah. i think that was more a uh, script doing uh wise uh they wanted him a little more 80 smarmy than uh what mm. uh well the yeah, true, he was definitely 80 smarmy <laughs> the true maxwell lord character is i think we've got our cheat over here. yes i know it's our dog um Anyway, I I didn't buy him 100%, but I didn't dislike him. I thought he did a good acting job. I thought he took what was supposed to be played with uh, there. I just didn't like the the, uh, interpretation of Maxwell Lord in this. I actually thought the battle action scenes were good. You didn't seem to like them that much. No, I enjoyed... I enjoyed the one where they're in the truck, the trucks yeah. sequence. I thought, and that you can one see was... Diana has starting yes. to lose a, some of her power. So I, actually, there were um, there was, um, and I actually enjoyed the White House one. The the White House one, the was, closing I one good. was the one that I, I oh didn't you didn't like. like that. I thought it was well, too quick on the cheetah fight. Yeah, you know it was throw well, throw throw, and then yeah. you know underwater, and then the you don't even get. Uh, a sort of Maxwell Lord one. Well, because the movie was so darn long. If they'd made that longer, I don't. But they could. They might have made that bit. But see, that all tied in with the fact that I didn't think they made Cheetah look fierce yeah. enough or something. I just didn't buy her costume. But I'll tell you the costume I did buy. That gold armor that she puts on at the end. That is Asteria's armor. When Wonder Woman comes out in that, man, I'm intimidated. <laughs> I I can tell you I want that armor. <laughs> I thought the go I thought that I loved that. Maybe yes. it was just me, but the appearance of the gold armor of Asteria is, is just so powerful. And Gal G- Gadot just I well she is a wonderful Wonder Woman. I mean, I don't think you could find anyone better. Um, you know, pardon me, Linda Carter, but I think Gal Gadot is just fabulous in this role. I think she pulled off 
um, the the action scenes well, uh, just as she did in, in the first movie. And that battle scene in the gold armor, I mean, it, it may not have been fierce enough for you or, you know, enough exchange, but I thought she looked no, very I, intimidating I, in that armor. I enjoyed what I got. I just, yeah. I wanted more cheetah and uh, hopefully that's more to come. And uh, I enjoyed the score as always. Hans Zimmer has done yeah, all these that was, that was WB good. ones. And it, once again, it was on point as it was. It and it, again, it doesn't overshadow the action. It, it melds nicely with, with the action. The other thing I think is to mention is that, um, Wonder Woman finds another of her powers in this woman, and that is flying. She didn't fly. I, I read a little, and I couldn't remember, and I would have to go back and, and see the first one. No, but she, she did not fly. fly in that first one. She would launch herself, and I mean, you know, she'd go up in the air and stay up in the air for a long time. Um, but in this one, she flies. She learns to fly, which I, oh, I just loved it, and I love the flying scenes. And basically, she learns to fly from Steve. He's piling in a plane. And he tells her it's easy, that flying is easy. It's just basically, um, it, you know, using the wind and the air currents. So she, um, you know, take, she thinks about this and she uses the wind and the air currents and she starts out kind of, um, uh, you know, slow and testing it and everything, but by the end, she just takes off. And so I was really excited about, you know, her being empowered to fly. Yeah. And we also got an, an invisible jet scene, which is always fun. Oh, that was cool. I forgot about that. That invisible jet. That was actually, they still was, you know, interjected some humor here and there too, you know, when they're dressing Steve in the 80s clothes and it's just yes. so obnoxious. And uh, when they're... Um, uh, when she makes the plane invisible and she said, he kind of asked her if she's tried this before. And she said, well, I was working on a coffee cup, <laughs> which I made invisible, but then I lost it. <laughs> so then she makes the plane invisible. Anyway, that, that's sort of my overview of, of my thoughts on the movie. Yeah. All right. So where did we go rating wise on Wonder Woman 84? Um, I do want to say again that I don't think anyone can play Wonder Woman Diana any better than Gal Gadot. I, I do uh, like her so much. I just love watching her. And um, I can't decide if I want to be Wonder Woman or I really want to be Gal Gadot. <laughs> anyway, they, I, I like the character and I like well, she's her. She's going to be Cleopatra next. Oh, so. yes, I know. I can't wait. Oh, Although I know already, the Egyptians are upset. No, uh, 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 white people are upset because well, that's what they I, no, like to No, I, th I think, uh, you know, she's Israeli and it's not hitting them real well. Yeah, well, uh, um, I hate to break it to them, but Cleopatra <laughs> was Macedonian. Oh, that's so. right. She was, that's exactly right. She was not a Middle Eastern. She was a uh, Mediterranean. Um, anyway, uh, I'm going to give Wonder Woman an eight, maybe an eight and a half, because I loved it so much and I love those movies so much. I knock it down a little bit. I Heck, I'd give it a 10. Uh, except this one isn't quite as good as the first one. It's just something about the story and the characters and the way they interacted in that first one and the way, you know, she and Steve were so, or she and Chris Pine, who plays Steve, 
just are, were so good together in that movie. And um, so, and I think it's a little long. So I did, I'm going to say an eight and a half, an eight, nine. I, I loved it. I would watch it five yeah. times. I gave the first one I would have been an eight on. This one, I'm <laughs> I'm a six on. I, I probably would have given the first one a 10. I remember I went skipping out of the movie theater. <laughs> the first one I, I really, really enjoyed. This one I enjoyed. I just think uh, there was, it wasn't quite... Uh, to the level that the first one was. So this one's a six for me. Well, this is the other thing I'm hoping. I kind of hope that when COVID, you know, goes away, or at least is under control, and we can all go back to the movie theaters again, should they open up, that they might show this one again. And frankly, I'm looking forward to seeing the third one. Yes. On a big screen with big sound, and um, I hope that happens. All right. So, uh that's our review of Wonder Woman 84. What were we going to do next week? Was Did we cite on Ma Rainey or Soul? Which one did you want to do next week? Let's do Soul. All right. It's a so little different. Next Monday, we'll do Soul. And then after that, I guess we'll do Ma, Ma Rainey. We got a long yeah. list of movies that have started dropping. So uh, yeah. next week, we'll do the Pixar film Soul. All right, greenlightnetwork.org. Follow all our podcasts. Also, follow us on Facebook at Greenlight Network and subscribe and like our show. That's our show, and we're out. Bye.